What's up, everyone? Thank you so much for making the Go Long Podcast part of your life. We've got three different shows, of course. This one with Bob McGinn, the Ty and Bob Pod. Our flagship show with Jim Monas and Favre with Pro Football Hall of Famer Brett Favre. As always, we are completely powered by you. So thank you so much for subscribing, for sharing, referring, word of mouth, baby. That's how we are going to survive and thrive. Uh, Bob, we just hit the three-year mark, uh, the three-year anniversary of Go Long. Launched it in November of 2020, and it's only possible because of our unbelievably loyal readers and listeners. So just wanted to start with a little thank you there. And thank you to you, Bob, for spending a, a Tuesday night here to talk shop. Congratulations to you, Tyler. That three-year mark, that's a big one. And uh, you've done some amazing work with this site. As a former uh, site owner, manager with Son Charlie, <laughs> I know it's a pretty difficult job. And you put in a lot of hours, Tyler, doing all kinds of stuff. So way to go. Man, is that kind of you to, to say, Bob? It's you know, I'm sure it's the balance that everybody tries to uh to figure out you know when they're running a site it's it's feeding the beast right we've got people here listening that subscribe i'd never take that lightly the fact that you're willing to invest not only your money but your time into the site so you know we try to keep that content pumping out regularly uh, but but also it's called go along for a reason it's a long form site i want the bread and butter to be five six seven thousand word stories or series and the, the reason that you might not have seen a morning after Monday column this week and last week is because of that. Because I'm, as you know, Bob, we've talked about it off air. I've been chipping away at something that might be the biggest thing we've done at Go Along. Uh, it's right up there. Spent, been spending a lot of time reporting, writing, uh, piecing this together. Can't really give too much away at the moment, uh, but I think people are going to want to uh, absolutely. Subscribe, read, share this series that we have on deck. But first things first, Bob, there's a very good chance I'm going to jail. (laughs) (laughs) Yikes. Not really, not really. But I was just at the gym, and it's not, by, by no means am I trying to slip in a gym reference. I'm just breaking even at this point, right? When the season is this busy, right, and it's it's the holidays, and you're eating like crap. And I mean, we did like four different Thanksgiving dinners. You're really just going to the gym, like to pop on a treadmill for a few miles and maybe break even, come close to breaking even. So um, I know how a reference like that can sound to people, but I'm there. I'm in the locker room and it ranges from, you know, you've got your pot bellied 67 year olds who just sit in the sauna all day in there down to the 14 to 15 year old high school kids from nearby uh, Hamburg. Hamburg High School. So it's a wide range. But there's these kids, and this is going to make me sound like a real old curmudgeon, Bob, but I need your fatherly advice here. So there's these 15, 16-year-old kids, and I'm getting ready to go to the gym. And they're just sitting there, and I'm, you know, it's impossible not to hear a conversation in the, in the locker room, obviously. And they are saying the most cruel things that you can say about like a teenage girl, somebody that they go to school with. Like just, just the meanest things. I don't even want to repeat it. Just awful. 
I almost wanted to step in and like just just backhand these kids and be like knock some sense into them. But I'm like fast forward in life. My kids are four and two. And I'm just thinking, my God, if I ever heard anybody say that about my daughter, I probably would beat the hell out of that person. Right. I think I think instinct would kick in. I wouldn't be able to control myself. So I'm just letting you know in advance, you know, fast forward about a decade from now. And, you know, if I'm behind bars, that's why I, I really couldn't uh, control the rage because, Got it. man, these kids, they're awful. They're awful, Bob. What do I do? Like, it when does that good, stuff huh? kick in as a dad? I mean, you had, you have kids. I imagine that there's probably so many times you wanted to step in and just beat the hell out of somebody yeah. to defend your kid. In the dating cycle, Tyler, wait till that begins, you know? Oh, good Lord. Oh, <laughs> yeah. And that's starting earlier and earlier, too, I'm sure. So, uh, yeah, that's other good things you got to look forward to. <laughs> so, like, when one of your daughters dated somebody that you didn't approve of, like, which you'd, you'd probably step in and speak up, right? Like, you had to – I mean, we're talking about Bob McGinn. You're breaking down the Packers' offensive line with such meticulous detail. I mean, you're doing the same with these boyfriends. Yeah, I paid very close attention to the boyfriends and girlfriends, no doubt about it. Oh, yeah, yeah, Charlie, um, too. I had yeah. pretty good luck, though. Yeah, I had pretty good luck with my three kids in that dating department, and um, I think I was the, the lucky parent here, you know. Well, I did meet both of your son-in-laws when I lived out there, and they're awesome. Just great families all around. I miss the whole McGinn family and extended family. Like, just Thanksgiving brings back so many memories of how your family would just like take me in because Green Bay played the Lions a few times out there. So I couldn't get back and see my folks and brother and sister and all that. So we're just hanging out at your house and, you know, you're, you're letting me enjoy all the traditions with everybody else. Uh, and that, God, that was awesome. And I, I still remember like the Michigan Ohio state game one year when you had it recorded and me and Charlie could not tell you what happened with that game. Because you wanted to see it the next day. It was really hard. We were teasing you really bad. But I imagine it's a good weekend for you right now because Michigan took care of business against those Buckeyes. um, I think it is the greatest rivalry in sport, Tyler. I really do. It's once a year. Um, The bitterness, the history, the tremendous teams. Uh, Michigan ranks number one in all-time wins. I think the Buckeyes are third or second. So you got it's always for it's always for something. It's always for the Big Ten. Now it could be for a national title, and um, it's just great. And I really uh, I like the me this this rivalry, you know. And I'm a changed person. That one day a year, it is my Super Bowl. Um, I start watching that game about an hour into it, so I can still I watch it with my remote control, and I can go over plays then five, six, seven times but it's a very tense tape watching experience. <laughs> and I was, <laughs> and it's just an unreal game for me, Tyler. My mom graduated from Michigan in 1929. My brother pitched there, graduated from there, graduated from dental school. My sister got a master's in uh, library science from Michigan. My cousin went there. So the whole family went there, you know? And um, so it's a family affair. And the Buckeye game, as my mom told me, right out of the cradle, Bobby, Michigan State's okay, but Ohio State isn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm somewhat familiar with the rivalry, right? Uh, but watching that game, at one point they played 
or they just showed graphics of famous moments. And I, I love the quote from the one Ohio state coach. Was it, was it Woody Hayes back in the day? Like, why did you go for two uh, when you're up by 30, 40 points? He said, cause I, I there wasn't a three point play. That's true. That's exactly what he said. It's 1968, I believe. Tyler, I was at a Michigan-Ohio State basketball game at Chrysler Center about four years ago. And I'm sitting there by myself. Two Ohio State fans plunked down right next to me. Uh, Oh, my God, you know. So we didn't talk. Michigan won this game by about 20. So there's five minutes left. I leaned over to these guys. They seemed like good guys. And I said, guys, I said, this is the greatest rivalry in the world. Let's just be thankful for it. And I'll tell you what, I'd trade one of these basketball blowouts, five of them, for one victory over you guys in football. <laughs> they all laugh. <laughs> well, you got to be riding high. It was a uh, hell of a yep. weekend for you. I mean, you visited Ford Field, took in all that high school football. I should just give you the floor here. Are you... Uh, have you recovered from that much football? How many hours straight did you watch? I arrived at 9.15 at Ford Field, and I departed at about 11 p.m. <laughs> so how many hours is that? 15? I, I mean, it was just, I knew nothing about the NFL. I was hermetically sealed just into these four high school playoff games. You know, it was great stuff. I really love it. Tyler? You and I both played quarterback. You played at a different generation than I did. But when I watch these kids play nowadays, the size, the strength, the equipment, the coaching, the large coaching staffs, they're playing a game that I'm not even familiar with. It's just unreal now the way that game is advanced. You ain't kidding. I mean, God, I graduated in 05, so we played – at Ralph Wilson Stadium, actually all three years, so three, oh, four, oh, five. And I just remember our, our own field, if it rained during the day, you just knew you were playing in a mud pit. Like you knew the whole <laughs> field would be mud. It crowned, it crowned in the middle and there were games. I mean, you just knew you didn't, you didn't bitch about it. You just, it was a reality. Not like even, you know, I grew up in rural Western New York, an hour South of Buffalo. And even some, some of these high school fields are now the field turf with the nice scoreboards. I mean, how coaching staff I'm using air quotes oh. we had like two or three. And you know, one of them was the JV coach, no trainer, by the way, like absolutely no trainer. Like our assistant JV coach might've like doubled as a trainer. Like if, if somebody said they had a concussion, you laughed at them. Like that, that was the reality. You, you made fun of that person because, it was silly. Like you couldn't see it or understand it. Everything has changed about the sport. A lot of it for the better, you know, there's one reason it's changed for the better. Um, a lot of it, especially in the NFL, not so much. I mean, I got into it with Brett Favre on the show last week uh, off of uh, Tom Brady's comments, but neither here nor there. It, it, it definitely is a, a, a different game, but it had to have been fun to watch all those high school games one after another. I mean, just the, the joy, right? I mean, it's, it's pure. It's football yeah. in its purest form. These are memories that, that all of these kids are going to cherish the rest of their lives. Um, about 15,000 people at Ford Field. You can sit anywhere you want. Every ticket's general admission. 20 bucks for the four games. You know, 20 bucks, see all four. Uh, great system piping in Motown songs between uh, 
between games, you know, it was just wonderful. Just kind of sitting in the first row in the end zone, taking it all in, waiting for the next game, watching the warmups. <laughs> it was, it's pretty cool. So obviously there was a football game right there at Ford field on Thursday that not a lot of people saw it coming, but I'll tell you what, my co-host right here, he called it on the tie and Bob pod, Bob McGinn. If you're listening out there, he, uh, he predicted that the Packers, you know, you didn't make, you don't make predictions. I don't want to put words in your mouth. You don't make predictions, but you did say that there would be opportunities at some big plays in the passing game. Uh, you have a good feel for Detroit where they're at defensively. Obviously, working through a a really rough, rough, rough stretch here. Um, injuries are part of it, but they're just not playing well. Um, and I, I can't wait to pick your brain on why that why that is the case. But let's start with the Green Bay angle of things. Five and six, <laughs> right? They're yeah. not dead. They're not. They're they're a half game out. Game out. Uh, the playoffs are very real for the Green Bay Packers, and it's it's crazy to say that out loud. Okay, so Tyler, I mean, it was written in the Detroit Free Press today that the the Detroit Lions are the runaway best team in the NFC North, and it was also written that the Lions still have an outside shot at the number one seed, but more likely will finish with the second or third. Tyler, when you examine what happened Thursday and you examine the road ahead, the Lions really, and I'm sure institutionally in that building, Dan Campbell, they're worried about winning the division. Look at this. They're 8-3, and three, Minnesota 6-6, six, six, Green Bay's 5-6, and six, Bears are 4-8. and eight. Detroit, they got six games left, two at home, four on the road. Green Bay's got three at home, three on the road. And look at the numbers of Green Bay's opponents, their last six opponents, 27 and 42. Detroit's 35 and 34. Minnesota's 31 and 23. By far, Green Bay's got the easiest road ahead. The way they rush the passer, the way they play at home with the home field in December, they're, they're going to get guys healthy. They had seven starters missing in this game. Lions had three down. The way they performed, I'm not saying they're going to continue to perform like this. Like Dan Campbell said on Monday, you know, the Packers and uh, Jordan Love had a hell, played a hell of a game together. I'm not saying that's going to happen. But pass rush carries over, and so does home field. And they got an easy schedule. They could win this division. Detroit has proved they, they've won some games. They barely beat the – Bears two weeks ago, they kind of had a tight one against the Chargers. They hit, and they're not playing well right now. They got to be worried. This is a 30-year jinx, and it it could come back to bite them. It could. Brett Favre would agree with you, Bob. He, he said that if you were just to watch that Green Bay-Detroit game and not know anything that had happened prior to that game, you would look at the Green Bay Packers as the clear front runners in the NFC North. And the way that you just broke that down, there's a lot of football left. A lot of divisional games packed in here. Um, This is what the NFL wants. It's by design. They pack these divisional games late. They added a game. 
half the teams in the conference make the playoffs. It all just peaks the drama exactly when they want that drama to be peaked, right? Around the holidays, everybody watching with their families at home. Green Bay is not just in that in the hunt graphic. Like they they realistically could win this division. And go ahead. Tyler, you look at strength on strength in this game at Ford Field. And Michael Cohen, our former colleague, was at that game. He said there was only about 2% of the crowd was Green Bay. You couldn't see green and gold. There was none of that that we saw for 30 years over there, 40 years, Tyler. None of that. And the noise, he said, was incredible. He was in the, uh, the second level of the three. And it, and the Packers did that to that offensive line with their pass rush, fighting the noise. I'm telling you. And Jordan Love handled that noise like that, and his receivers were making plays against a defense that only had, well, they were down two starters in the defensive backfield. I don't know. I was really impressed with Green Bay. Getting after that offensive line, we'll get into the specifics and the numbers here. Nobody's gotten after that Detroit offensive line. That is their bread and butter. That's their signature. That's what they rely on to win. It's not Jared Goff. It's not that defense. It's the old line. That's what it's always come back to. And they got manhandled. They got whipped. It's got to be a demoralizing loss for Detroit. And we'll get into the nitty gritty. But that's where they start with rebuilding this team. With the offensive line. With Panay Sewell. Who Dan Campbell has referenced as the team's best player. You know, all the way to the left side with Taylor Decker. Everything in between. They've got depth. Um, that's really where they know they've got to set the tone. And Green Bay set the tone. Green Bay just threw it in their face. Rashawn Gary looked like a top five edge rusher. Kenny Clark looks like he ain't slowing down anytime soon. They they, they got pressure across the board. And um, I'm kind of getting ahead of ourselves. I know we'll go position by position, but I agree with you. I think that we're not getting ahead of ourselves by saying the Green Bay could win this thing. Now they've got the Kansas City Chiefs next. They're the defending Super Bowl champs. Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, I don't care where you play them. That's about as hard as it gets. So the, the, they could be five and seven here pretty quickly. Uh, but if you look at a glass half full, if they somehow win that game, take down the champs, imagine what that would do the, to, to their confidence as well into this softer stretch with all these home games. I expect that game to go into the fourth quarter, Tyler. At Lambeau, December, I expect it to go into the fourth quarter. The Chiefs aren't explosive. I've seen them five or six times this year. I've, I've seen more games now, Tyler, than I did was on the beat. I was, you know, in press boxes. I couldn't see any game. Now I see a lot of games. Green Bay can win that game. Absolutely. At home, after destroying the Lions on the road, they can. They got 10 days to prepare. So let's go positionally, right, T? Let's do it. Let's look at it. All right. So so Watson now is starting to play. Um, I mean, you know, they went up top to him. Tracy Walker couldn't handle it, didn't track the ball poorly, and he took it away from the double team for 53 yards on the first play. Um, I mean, he he makes a mistake. He's right next to uh, Jaden Reed on that 10-yard touchdown pass, but it, it works anyway. I do not like Watson as a blocker. I mean, he he kind of comes over by uh, 
Cameron Sutton on one running play. They asked him to kind of lead over there. And then he, he kind of like taps Sutton on the shoulder after the runner's down as if I really didn't mean it. He's just playing patty cake. I don't, I see him totally a physical. He's got a, he's a big guy. He's got to toughen up, but he is a very gifted receiver in the 22 yard touchdown pass. It was a wild catch. Um, he's just not a blocker, but he's a dangerous threat. Boy, what about this Heath guy? You know, he's rep- yeah. replaced Lazard as the blocker of the bunch. Man, I mean, he had a, a lead on uh, Tracy Walker. He pancaked the guy early in the game, first quarter. Um, he made a crack back on Brian Branch on an end around for 15, sustained a block on Sutton on a five-yard gain at the point of attack. I mean, he's really a tough guy. And he made some catches. He Branch was all over him, and he makes a catch inside for 13. I believe that was on third down. And, he looked like a, I mean, he's a free agent from Mississippi. Let's check his numbers, Tyler. Malik Heath, six, two and a half, 213, ran four, five, seven, only nine on the test. He had a great three cone, six, nine, six. So he's got tools. He doesn't have great speed. He's kind of like Lazard, just about mm-hmm. an inch shorter. Jaden Reed's a good player, man. He's hell on wheels on these end arounds, 15 yards on that one. Uh, he had a drop. Made a tough catch in traffic on the touchdown. Um, Dobbs, he had a drop on third and four, but he made a tough catch in traffic against uh, Jacobs for 14. Ran a deep dig. Guy's got ability, there's no question. Who am I missing? Uh, Wicks was injured, didn't play. Ture was inactive. They just cut Melton. Tight end, they don't have Musgrave. They're down seven starters, like I mentioned. Um, And Kraft? He's a better blocker than Musgrave. Uh, he sold the leak out on the nine-yard touchdown beautifully. Played pretty good. And so that's it on the receiving court, Tyler. But they got a lot of young bodies. And the Lions had no pass rush. And they have problems in the secondary. You get, that's where two of their three starters are down. The safety, Gardner Johnson, and the corner, Emmanuel uh, Mosley. And they took advantage of him. Malik Keith. Yeah. Per spot track is making $753,000 this year. A little less than Alan Lazard, 11 million a year, four years, 44 mil. I get it. It's part of the Aaron Rodgers timeshare. Uh, if you're the New York Jets, you really have to acquiesce your soul to his demands and acquire Alan Lazard for 44. He was a game day inactive. He didn't even play. Randall Cobb is, is, has decayed. He is, he is an artifact. Billy Turner is washed up. Nathaniel Hackett. I mean, has been exposed again. He's been exposed before you can go back to his Buffalo days here. Um, yeah, I don't want to turn this into a New York Jets Aaron Rodgers uh, podcast, but I just I can't help but laugh. I mean, you're getting what you got out of Lazard in a game like that with Heath, and and the Jets are an absolute tire fire of an organization yet again. So yeah, if you want to you know acquire Aaron Rodgers and jack up your fan base and get everybody excited and fool everyone into thinking you're a Super Bowl contender, go right ahead, win the offseason, but. You know, it's it's probably going to just blow up in your face, and it has. 
Tyler, you and I heard Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers talk about teammates, other players on other teams, and all that kind of stuff. Tyler, I've talked to a million scouts in my life. I don't really think they know personnel at all. They're too tied to these individuals. I would never listen to either one of those guys regarding personnel on their own team. Who to keep, who to go get. No, no. Uh, coaches coach, scouts scouts, players play. No. And Rogers showed this with these silly acquisitions that he forced on the Jets. All right, let's go to the old line. The whole bad thing you're transitioning because I could just that could just go on and on. So good. Yeah. Uh, get, get me out of this headspace. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Um, the whole battle plan was to double team Aiden Hutchinson. I mean, on every pass, you know, sometimes they fan, um, the center Josh Myers out there. Sometimes it was two tight ends. Most of the time it was Tom and the right guard Runyon or Sean Ryan who played like half a dozen or a dozen snaps, but that was the whole thing. <clears throat> you know, before the season, when I looked at the two Wars. I mean, one was drafted in the second round. The other one was drafted in the third. Um, Charles Harris, first-round pick. I mean, I I liked the guy in 2021. I thought they had better depth at those outside rush positions than Green Bay had. But, boy, it's turned out to be wrong. Harris has had a dreadful year. The Aquara's uh, just not doing it. It's a one-man show. And and that's all it is. And they took care of Hutchinson. Hutchinson didn't really hurt them in this game. I got him for uh, he had a sack on a two point. Two point plays don't count as uh, for stats. He had two hurries, and that's it. I mean, it gives fantastic effort, but nobody else could do anything. There was no pressures by Harris, Aquara, Aquara. Inside, Aleem McNeil's their second best rusher, and he didn't. I mean, I got nothing for him. He was basically shut out, Ty. Um, so when you look at Green Bay, and we've seen this team almost every game this year, but compared to Hutchinson, who's a better rusher on Green Bay than everybody else? Uh, oh, hold on. Detroit has Hutchinson. Who does Green Bay have? They have Gary, Preston Smith, who was unreal in this game. Kenny Clark, who played extremely well. Devontae Wyatt is a first-round pick, who's a real threat. Carl Brooks, the young guy from Bowling Green, has pass rush interior. Lucas Van Ness is starting to come on a little bit. And Agabari played the best game I've ever seen him play. You got five or six guys compared to Detroit's two, one-and-a-half. That's how games are won. Fourth quarter pass rush. That's how games are won. I know I'm going a little bit overboard. This is so much better than we've seen Green Bay play all year. But what we're talking about here is talent starting to grow up a little bit. And right before your eyes in a cauldron of noise and division uh, bitterness and enmity. Man, it was quite a show, Tyler. So we've talked to Kingsley Enigbare here at Go Along, had a feature on him ahead of uh, the regular season. Why was this his best game? What did he do? Holy man. A knockdown against Sewell, a flush on a bull rush against Sewell, a knockdown when, and two knockdowns when um, Goff ran to him. So anyway, that's four pressures. He's so thick 
you know, and because of his thickness, when he's holding the point, holding the edge, setting the edge, he just kind of, because he's 250 or whatever in the heck he is, he just kind of oozes into running lanes. You know, he holds, holds the edge, and then if it's coming inside him off a right tackle rather than uh, outside him, he just kind of oozes in with the body weight, and he's, it's kind of like uh, um, there was a player I used to talk about doing that, but I, I can't picture that now. Um, man, he got after that. He diagnosed the throwback screen to Laporta, minus two. He's a tough run player. No wonder they've been playing him more than Van Ness. This is the best we've seen at Igbari. And Preston Smith, Tyler, I got him for four hurries, three against Sewell. Hmm. A knockdown and two hurries. Uh, first play of the game, he blew up big Dan Skipper, who was in as a sixth old lineman. He comes across, and Preston Smith chatters his teeth and a gain of one. Talk about, you know, setting the tone. And Gary... All right, three sacks. I'm not all that big on the sacks. I mean, one, it was no gain. I mean, there was confusion. All right, yeah, it's garbage. But uh, in the fourth and seven was big time. He ran it up against Decker, the left tackle. He just froze Decker with that change of pace step. And then it just, the hand move, the swim move, and around him he went. It was just textbook. And then he had, uh, I don't know, about four other pressures. Gary's, you know, he's 11 months, 11 months off that knee injury now, or about 12, I guess it would be. Played very well. Preston Smith, Enigbari, Gary, Van Ness. Impressive, probably the best game he played. Clark, I got three pressures all against Graham Glasgow, who the scouts thought was the best right guard in the division. And Wyatt had uh, two knockdowns and a forced fumble. <laughs> it was an onslaught. And Brooks had to force fumble a strip sack, showed terrific hustle. He was out of the play, and then he got in it and made the strip sack. They're very healthy up front, and really, they're very good. All right. Well said. Let's, That's where it's yeah. won. Let's, uh, what else you want to talk about here, Ty? Let's go to. Um, what about Jordan Love? Yeah, let's go to him. Um, okay. He had a lot of time. He knows if his people could take care of Hutchinson, he really didn't have many worries. He handled the noise. It's his, what, his 12th, 11th start of his career. Um, they max protect on the first play of the game. You got play action, seven blockers against five rushers. Ball goes 58 yards in the air. Slightly underthrown. He had 3.8 seconds to throw that ball. Great protection. And he threw it out there, and Watson made the catch. He threw that sidearm ball to Heath for 16 when there's people around him. The bullet touched down to Reed. He's faking beautifully. He really learned that from Rodgers. Rodgers is a wonderful ball handler, faker. Man, he hides that ball. Um, sometimes he doesn't step into throws. He throws all arm. You can see that. His cadence is good. He got Quentin Bohana to jump once. He started 11 of 12, Tyler. Yeah, he made some risky throws, one to Heath uh, cross field, but it was on the money. And uh, the third down t- pass to uh, Heath, uh, Watson for the – was that the winning touchdown? He was in rhythm. And then on third and one, what does he do? 
he pulls that damn thing and goes 37 yards against Alex Anzalone, the heart and soul of that defense. It was a tour de force. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's an element that he has in his back pocket too. The athleticism, the legs, and he unleashed it at the perfect time. He, he, he was just a puppeteer with this Lions defense. He did whatever he wanted to, to do when he wanted to do it. And, you know, I think that's a great point on the young receivers. How many times have we chatted on this podcast? Like, oh, they, they need a veteran in the room. They need experience, a leader, somebody who's been there, done that. Like, th- this was the game I'm sure Brian Gutekinds and Matt LaFleur envisioned, maybe not envisioned, hoped for, with this youth move, movement to have all first and second year guys at receiver, having them grow together. You know, they're all the same age. They're Jordan loves age. They're, they're all on the same page with everything. Right. So you, so you don't have the, the element of improvisation that Aaron Rodgers had with gosh, name your receiver Jennings, Nelson Cobb Adams, Everyone. I mean, that that was the the, the basis for the offense because, as one source told me back when I did that Bleacher Report story that that is close with Rodgers or used to be close with Aaron Rodgers, he he didn't really respect Mike McCarthy. He didn't didn't respect his acumen. He didn't respect the plays coming in. It'd be wrong formation, wrong this, wrong that, in his mind. So he would work on that second reaction and it usually ended in a, in a pretty big play when they needed it. So you don't have that, but you do have the chance to start from scratch, like literally from scratch with a quarterback who has been building for three years behind the scenes with receivers who are all new to this thing. I mean, insanely new to this thing. And that felt like a breakthrough moment for all of the above Christian Watson, Jaden Reed, Romeo Dobbs, Jordan Love, I mean, they don't even have Musgrave out there. Tyler Croft. It's it's gonna be it's gonna be tough. I mean, Kansas City's defense a little better than Detroit's defense. <laughs> it's a different ball yeah. game. If if you do it against the Chiefs at Lambeau, then then I think this conversation uh, ramps up a notch. But still, it's a prime time game. I mean, everybody's watching. The numbers for viewership were, th- were through the roof. I think they set some records. So you know. There's some pressure to this game, and he delivered. The offense delivered. Yep. Um, offensive line, uh, you know, they're getting good pass protection in this game out of uh, Walker and Nyman over on that left side. I mean, they just controlled whoever was out, out there, Pascal, Harris, Aquara, whoever. Um, I don't think he shows much lower lower body power in the run game. Walker doesn't. And Nyman doesn't really either. But pass blockers, they were good. They played Sean Ryan, the UCLA guy, the second uh, the second year man, third year, third round pick. I thought he looked pretty stout in there, straight back. I mean, he looked pretty solid. Runyon, he just kept helping Tom all day against Hutchinson. And he did his job. Um, Tom, he's a hard guy to edge, Tyler. And Myers was fine. Um they won the day, man. Running backs, uh, you know, you don't have Aaron Jones. Dylan screwed up the fourth and one, I, I, I think, by running into love. 
terrible mistake. Uh, he leaped over Jacobs, the corner in the flat on a swing pass for 22. Impressive. One little thing, you know, they they have this fullback on the roster now, Henry Pearson. I don't even know where he's from. And he got in there for two snaps, I think, on offense. Henry Pearson. Uh, yeah. So he's a tight end or fullback or whatever, and he comes on this fast motion, Tyler, from left to right, and he's going to lead at the point of attack against Derek Barnes, a real violent bitch from Purdue. We've been talking about Barnes yeah. <laughs> all year, and I love the way that guy plays. So here comes little number, whatever he is, 34, and <laughs> high-tailing it around right at Barnes, you know. And he tries to finish. I mean, he's all jacked up, you know, and he knows the coaches are looking at him. He's trying to make an impression. And he leads, and he he ends up on his back. Barnes just basically threw him straight down. But he got his block, though, T, at the point of attack. <laughs> the gain was about five, but, God, that was funny. And then Barnes was just mad. And one of the Packer offensive linemen came over and Barnes is just, you know, throwing his finger at the guy telling him, hey, tell this turd is to stop doing this extracurricular, the extra push. I don't need that, man. <laughs> God, that was funny. <laughs> All right. I love, Patrick, those, I, lo- I, love, I love a moment like that. That's great. Yeah. And Patrick Taylor, who they got off, you know, back off the street. Where was he? New England's practice squad, I guess. He was fine. He played like 25 snaps. Uh, I mean, he had one hurry to Anzalone, but then he came back on the next play and had a really good blitz pickup on Anzalone, caught the ball in the flat. I thought he was okay. So I don't know when Jones is back. They got 10 days now. So that's it on the offense, Tyler. Shall we go to the D? Let's do it. All right. We've talked about having uh, Clark having a real good game. Uh, we talked about Wyatt playing well. I think we covered most of this. Um Brooks, we talked about him. Gary, we've been through. Engabari. Okay, we got all those guys. So let's go to the inside backers. Uh, Quay Walker. So they don't have Campbell. But I don't, personally, I don't really think he's missed. I just don't. I kind of like McDuffie. I mean, he played a screen beautifully, I thought. Could have been a big gainer. He cuts it off, tackle for plus four. He had an illegal contact penalty, and he missed a tackle. Um, I kind of like the guy, though. He's got pretty good instincts. And all right, now Quay Walker. Um, He was just okay. Uh, You know, he is so strong, Tyler. I mean, Laporta is, you know, 245, and he just – he just threw Laporta down when he after a, a reception in the middle of the field. He just trashed the guy and just threw him backwards. It's unreal, his upper body strength. I don't even think he knows how strong he is. Um, but again, you know, he had a pass interference on a wheel route to Gibbs. Uh, I just don't think he has real good spatial awareness and coverage. And he's a step slow. He, he hesitates. That five-yard touchdown by Montgomery, they got called back. I mean, he's just so late to the party. Gets caught in the wash, doesn't show feel. So he's got the speed, he's got this strength. You know, I don't know if it's ever going to come to him. And I've told this before, but that one scout said how he would watch that Georgia defense, and they were just flying to the football that two years ago. And then Walker was always late. He was hmm. a 
played at a totally different speed than the rest of those Georgia players. And I see it. I really see it. All right. And then the secondary. So they're without Alexander, Savage, and Ford. So they're down three of the five spots. But really, Savage and Ford, they're just guys anyway. So now they're playing with uh, with Jonathan um, Owens and Anthony Johnson, the draft pick. So I did some work on Owens today, Tyler, because he really had a really good game. He did. I just wanted, <laughs> he I, did. Yeah, he's a fiery tackle. He was physical in the box. He picked up. He was alert. He picked up the ball and scored on the touchdown. He had a huge hit. Uh, crushed Gibbs. He had a tough solo tackle of Gibbs. Tackle for loss on a bubble to St. Brown. Sewell's bearing down on him, and he made the play. He could not dislodge the ball from Reynolds on that 12-yard touchdown. So I called a scout today and talked to him about uh, Owens. You know, he never even had a signing bonus this year. I mean, the guy started all year for the Texans last year. He was second in the league in tackles among defensive backs with 125. But, you know, no respect for the guy. He signs one-year deal in mid-May for $1 million, basically just a little bit above minimum, no signing, no guaranteed money. He's been cut four times in his career. And here's what the scout said. He said he's got true passion for the game. Very personable, great guy, beloved by the team. That's at Missouri Western. And then uh, he had an ACL in college. And then, um, then now he said he's better. Uh, he's better, you know, in the box than he is out in space. He's a volume tackler. He gets pinballed and thrown around a lot. He said he's a quality backup, capable of getting a team through a stretch of games. Uh, he thinks he's a better player on special teams than defense. I don't know. I kind of like him a little bit better than that, but it was a really good signing in mid-May. And the guy, the guy's flying around, man. The other guy, Johnson, he wasn't as good, but he was okay. And then you got Valentine and Valentine. <clears throat> I really like Valentine 37. He's just combative. He's pugnacious. He gets after people. He can test everything, even against St. Brown, you know, one of the best in the league. And Valentine, yeah, he doesn't, he got beat on that quick crosser over to, uh, JMO for 38, and he missed a tackle late, but he played okay, and uh, Nixon was okay. One thing about Joe Barry, let's finish with him. Yeah. You know, he did some different things in this game. Man, first quarter, um, Goff comes to the line, and he sees Gary and Preston Smith off the ball, like off the ball backers, like four yards removed from the line of scrimmage. You could just tell Goff was all screwed up. He's pointing. He didn't know really what to do. I don't know if he audible. And uh, and they got a sack on that play when Gary ran a stunt up the middle. Now, the second time they tried that, Goff saw this baby, and he hit uh, immediately hit St. Brown for 16 yards. Um, and then another time, he put Gary and Preston Smith on the same side. That led to the sack. That They're on the same side, and Gary then stunted inside, and he got the sack. So I thought Barry did some cool things. Uh, let's finish with this, the special teams, T. I think they got a problem with this rookie kicker. Tyler, you're indoors. He averages, I mean, I've done these hang times and distances for Mason Crosby and Chris Jackie for 30 years. 
This was terrible indoors. He averaged to the goal line 65.2 yards. His hang time was only 3.87 indoors. His last kickoff went 265, rolled into the end zone. It was a miss hit. And then he missed the extra point wide left. He barely made the previous extra point in that left corner. And then he's from 53 and he's short at Ford Field. He did hit from 43. So he's, I don't know. I I mean, he's a draft pick. He's a sixth round pick. I don't know what's out there. Crosby's on the street. They're not making a move. But I wouldn't feel real real good about him. He just, for about three or four games now, I I thought his kickoffs, he's last, lacks leg strength on his kickoffs. Uh, Whalen, though, the rookie punter, had a great game. Geez, four punts all inside the 20. Average hang, four, six, five. That's the best game he's had, and he's way down in the rankings. Uh, hits, the kid from Wisconsin, a Wisconsin high school guy, Welch from Iowa, had two good hits. Uh, Rochelle had a beautiful punt uh, knockback to the three-yard line. They stopped the fake punt. Anikbari held the outside, and Van Ness came off flat and then made the tackle. And Reed recovered the onside kick. So it was, uh, you know, other than Carlson, it was an outstanding day for the special teams. So they did a number on the Lions, Tyler. We can go through the Lions, but any final thought on the Packers? Yeah, I have a, a couple. I mean, Joe Barry, this is somebody that we thought, I think everybody assumed would be fired at the end of this season for most of this season. Did he just save his job? with that performance against the Detroit Lions? No, but if he keeps up somewhat similar to this performance, he he will, yeah. Yeah. They got after it. What 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 is a Joe Barry defense like when it's really working? What like what defines what he wants to do out there? I can't answer that, Tyler. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I'm looking at personnel more than scheme, you know? That's the way I look at it more from a a scout than a coach. I mean, mean, of which I'm neither, but I tend to think more uh, like a scout does, a personnel guy. So scheme, I don't know. I'm looking at people. All right, so people, Jonathan Owens. Uh, Is this somebody that you need to keep on the field? I think he's the best safety of the four of them. I'd take him over Savage and Ford. I would. Yeah. Now, I don't know about him in coverage. I don't see him as a single safety. He's got to be up in that flat hook area and playing in the box. But he's small. He ran good, but he doesn't play fast. But I'd still take him over those two guys. And this Johnson kid, he looked okay, too. They're hurting at safety, you know? Yeah. I think you're willing to maybe take take some of those weaknesses on in Jonathan Owens if he's going to – make the plays he made against Detroit, right? Yeah, definitely. All right, so for the Lions, you know, Dan Campbell, he always says the right things, Tyler. And, you know, here's what he says on Monday. I mean, he's he's four days after the debacle, right? And he says, man, I'm not getting worried. I love this. I'm serious. And, you know, Dan doesn't BS. I mean, He's kind of telling you what he thinks in his own way. I love this, and I love that, man. It's doom and gloom outside our building, and we've got six to go. We've got an unbelievable opportunity, and, man, I love it. This is what you find out what we're made of. And really, everybody in this league, 
you're talking about the month of December, and that's where, uh, what did he say? Uh, he talked about cracks. Let me find that, Tyler. All of a sudden, cracks begin to show. But look, at some point, you're going to, every team reaches adversity. But that's what he wants, and he thinks, uh, he said, Jordan Love played a hell of a game, man. That ball was out. Um, but he, he likes his team, and everybody in the state likes his team. I can tell you that. But boy, I don't know. So let's look at their offense, T. Um, they got great receivers in St. Brown and Laporta, really good ones. They need Jamison Williams to come on. Now, there was that flea flicker off of draw play fake. I mean, he messed that up. He didn't turn back for that ball. I don't know what he's doing, but I'll give the guy credit. Man, he loves to crack back. He cracked Owens on that 23-yard gain by Gibbs. He slams in there, and he's skinny, man, but he really strikes a blow. On another one on a crack back, he blocked two guys, uh, and he can run. You saw how he ran away from Valentine across the field for 38. And he made a nice catch on a crosser for 13, but we know his, his hands, we know his hands are inconsistent. So um, I don't know. Um, that's about it. I mean, Laporta, man, he got trashed by Gary on a wham block. Poof. Um, offensive line. You don't want to watch that tape. I can't believe Sewell. Campbell said he was the team's best player last week. I got him six pressures, six, four to Preston Smith and two to Anikbari. Just destroyed. I mean, how can a guy, I mean, do I ever remember Chad Clifton having a game like that? I, I was going to so. ask you. I guess I so. The, the best of the best that you covered, were they, how common was it to just have that bad of a day at the office? Rare. Bakhtiari, six pressures? I guess he's had a game with four or five, something like that. But uh, other tackles, Telsher, maybe. Uh, Ken Rutgers, maybe. That's a big number. And Decker was better. And Frank Ragnall played well. But the guards, you know, they don't have Jonah Jackson. Well, so what? Green Bay's down seven starters. They miss Jackson. He's got a wrist hand injury. They start the guy from William and Mary Sorsdahl, who played pretty good a couple weeks ago, and he gets benched late in the second quarter for Awasika. He just couldn't handle it. I mean, the Packers were taking advantage of Sorsdahl, Clark, and Wyatt. So I expect them to go out and play pretty well this week at New Orleans, but who knows? You talk about noise. They're not going to have that nice home field noise help on the offensive line. They got this is the kind of terrible outing you see an old line having on the road in a noisy environment, not at home where you got an adoring crowd that shuts up. Hmm. Okay. The running backs, uh, not much to talk about. They both played. They're, they're good, good players. Uh, let's go to golf, right? All right. Now he's had a bunch of turnovers, Tyler. He had the picks against the bears and he had three fumbles here. Now let's look at his fumbles. The first fumble is on a routine sack. Aaron Rodgers once told me that he wanted to go a full season in which he would never fumble. And he, I said, oh, come on. 
No, he believed it was possible. He told me that late in his career. And I, I was really impressed by that. That made a, I never forgot him saying that because he almost never fumbled. All right, so on this sack, I'm going to forgive Goff on that one. I mean, he got drilled in the back when I think Gary got him, yeah. All right, the second sack, uh, breakdowns by Glasgow and Sewell. He gets hit on the side, running up through the pocket. Now, he had two hands on the ball when he was starting to run up, but then he was switching it to one. That's when the hit came and the ball came out. He can't do it. Rodgers almost never fumbled on those because he kept two hands on the ball all the way climbing up the pocket. Goff has got, they're going to be on his ass, unreal. Mark Brunel, the QB coach, and these coaches, they're going to be all over this guy this week. I can just, you know it. And the third sack, it was on fourth down. I mean, who really cares? You know, whatever. It's just a statistical anomaly. It goes down as a, a fumble and a sack, but would have been Green Bay's ball anyway. Um, he was sailing the ball on third and three over Laporta. Intentional grounding. Didn't play good. You know, I mean, we were really singing Goff's praises for the last half of last season and the first half of this year. And now he's had a downturn and he looks healthy. He's taken a lot of hits in this game. He did, but he's got an offensive line that he trusts and he's got to shape up obviously. And that's what Campbell said, turnover differential. And where do they rank right now in turnover differential? Detroit is tied for 23rd at minus five. Green Bay's even. Bears minus four, and the Vikings on the bottom, almost at the bottom at minus eight. That's how games are won and lost. That's what Campbell went off on on Monday, on and on and on, about turnover differential, and that means golf. Yeah. So let's look at the defense. Um, We talked about Hutchinson. They got no rushers in this game beyond him. Anzalone hurt his hand and wrist in the fourth quarter, may not play. Back going back to his old team, uh, New Orleans Sunday. Um, secondary, there was no changes. I mean, when good quarterbacks have time and throw it, people are going to be open against Detroit. They got a very ordinary rush, and they got very, very ordinary man coverage people. And Tracy Walker really is just a guy in that back end. Their kicker missed the extra point, Patterson. Fox kicked off good. Fox punted well. So that's where the Lions are. Um, Six games left, two at home, four on the road. They got nothing sewed up, nothing. Okay, so what gives you hope that the Detroit Lions can not only win the division but be a legitimate Super Bowl contender? Like, what what do you see that – Gives you hope down those lines. The creativity of Ben Johnson. I do really like the other coordinators, Dave Phipp and Aaron Glenn. I trust Campbell, and I think players believe in the guy. These rookies are only going to get better, I think. I don't believe in the rookie wall. I think Laporta, Campbell. uh, Who else am I missing? I mean, they got – yeah, they got four good rookies. The old line will never play that bad again. I don't think they're going to be just destroyed in every meeting and practice this week. 
do they have another rusher? They're going to try Bruce Irvin. He's been there now two and a half weeks. Yeah. He had three and a half sacks last year for Seattle, I think, Tyler. And yeah. you know he's going to get some run this week. Um, can they get your man Houston back? Uh, Campbell, it's just his tone of voice. It's, it looks a little doubtful. Uh, I do not like their schedule, those four road games. And I don't like <laughs> people that say this, this race is over with six games left after that kind of a performance against a division rival. And the Vikings aren't going away either, Tyler. So they got to do it. They've got to do it. 30 years riding. Can you imagine if they blew this division title? Oof. Oh, my God. <laughs> and it could happen. I can still remember so many Green Bay Detroit games, especially late in the season. And, you know, maybe well, what was it the year with Aaron Rodgers? His, uh, was that the clavicle year? Yeah, when Shea McClellan knocked him out. And they're going Seneca Wallace to Scott Tolzien to, oh, bringing in Matt Flynn. I think they went two, five, and one that stretch. Like Flynn does just enough to keep the season alive. And then Aaron Rodgers comes back the the fourth and eight to Randall Cobb at Soldier Field. They win the division. Um, but I still remember walking. It was, it was a Thanksgiving Day game when they just pounded the Packers. Detroit did like 40 to 10. It was pathetic. I mean, Green Bay looked terrible. Huh. McCarthy exposed, everybody exposed, the defense just below average. And we're walking back to our uh, rental car, and you said, Teed, it's not over yet. I've seen this too many times. <laughs> like with Detroit, with Green Bay, one team goes one direction, one team goes the other direction. I mean, that's really the kind of stuff Dan Campbell has been working up against. I mean, it. it I hate using the term change the culture. It's so overplayed. Fumigate the building as Forrest Greg, you know, once said, whatever you have to do. Like it, it, it was an asbestos in, in that building, like the, that expectation to lose. Taylor Decker told me it was a stench. I mean, he's been there forever. You feel it, you sense it, it's going to go wrong. That's what they've been working against. I tend to think Detroit will still win the division. They've got a good lead. They've got one of the best coaches, if not the best coach. You mentioned Ben Johnson, too, at OC. They'll stay a step ahead. But the defense is concerning. I don't don't know if the defense is something you can just flip a switch and fix. But uh, they'll they'll be able to score with teams, and that'll be enough to a point. Yeah. All right, let's look at the next game in the division, right? Uh, Last night, we have the Bears defeating the Vikings 12-10. to 10. Matt Eberflus was 0-9 in the division, Tyler. 0-9 in this division. And he won the game 12-10. to 10. Uh, A crushing defeat for the Vikings. I mean, this, is, uh, this was the easiest game supposedly on their schedule, home against the Bears, the 3-8 and eight Bears. But the Bears aren't that bad now. They've improved. We talked about their personnel last week. So let's look at the Vikings. So for the first time, the absence of Kirk Cousins was alarming. 
<laughs> significant. Got to go a notch above noticeable. <laughs> Damning. Yeah, that was ugly. So Joshua Dobbs. Um. All right, his four picks. Let's look at him. His first one. Now he had never even had three picks in a game in college or in the pros, and now he threw four, two more than ever before. So it was a misread. His first pick. His second pick. He anticipated beautifully, but a little bit too too fast for the when he released the ball, and it clanged off Addison's hands, tipped to a defender. Pick the third pick. Um, a little behind Osborne against good coverage by boy Jalen Johnson. What a player! And it's tipped to the linebacker Edwards. That's number three and the fourth. He's in the grasp, trying to make a desperation dump to get rid of the sack over to the fullback, Tracy Ham. Ball's tipped, goes to another defender. So he had one other interception that was darn close. What would I say about Dobbs? I've seen him in four games now. He he doesn't have much clock in his head when he's in that pocket. He's very deliberate in the pocket. He's like Dan Fouts, you know, a guy, Roman Gabriel, standing straight and tall in the pocket. I give him a lot of credit. He's got guts. He's courageous. But yet, you know, just pressure gets to him. And and when he does get out, I mean, he did some wonderful things in the last couple of weeks, spinning out to his left to get away from stuff. But then he's also a little scattershot and – he he can't make a decision sometimes. I don't know. I guess that's why he is what he is, you know. Was he five or six teams? Um he holds the ball. Uh I like him to a point, but I mean he just couldn't make anything happen. Um there's a whole bunch of plays I got here, but in the interest, let's not do that. So they, he, they're getting Justin Jefferson back. He was activated today right off of, well, he moved to the active roster. So, and O'Connell said, he, well, he's not sure who he's going to start at, cor- at QB, Mullins or the rookie Jaron Hall or Dobbs, but he needs to get the ball to Jefferson. He was very uh, definitive about that. What else do you want to talk about? Hawkinson, I mean – well, just he didn't even have a reception. On, yeah. On Dobbs, like, I think it's just good to kind of reference. So for those who are just realizing who this quarterback is, he was drafted by the Steelers fourth round 2017. Here's everywhere he's been, Bob. Steelers, 17 to 19. Jaguars, 19. Back to the Steelers, 2021. Browns 2022, Lions 2022, Titans 2022, Browns 2023, Cardinals 2023 as a last minute starter. You know, remember that you, you flash back to August was like, okay, yeah, the Cardinals are tanking. They're just bringing in a quarterback to be the starter last minute here. Plays really well considering. And then he gets to the Vikings via trade when Kirk Cousins goes down. So yes, he's been all over the place. He is uh for his career, 63%. Completion percentage there, 15 touchdowns, 13 picks. He really hasn't played a hell of a lot. I mean, this is the most he's played this year, uh, pretty much in its entirety. But to your point, I mean, if you're a journeyman, if you're going team to team to team, the the magic will wear off. 
and the magic has worn off. It's it's very much like, well, I mean, J- Jeremy Lin at least you know strung together several games, but it kind of reminds me of Lin Sanity. Remember Jeremy Lin for the New York? Yes, twenty eleven. I do. Like, I followed that. It was it was amazing. Like you couldn't wait to see what he did next. It, so Dobbs had his own little insanity run, but I I think it's over. I think Kevin O'Connell was right to uh, consider his options. That's a great one, Tyler. Lynn Sanity, right <laughs> on the back of the New York Post and the Daily News. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, you know the acquisition of uh, Sweat has really just changed the Bear defense. They have a rusher now, Yannick. Nagakwe is no longer. I mean, he just got dominated, by the way, Nagakwe by uh, Derisaw, the left tackle. He, I mean, he couldn't get a snip. But on the other side, O'Neal's a really good player, the right tackle. And Sweat got two, tack, two sacks on the guy. Sweat's a really good defensive end. A 4-3 strong side DE. Man, he's one of the best in the business. Um Bradbury, the center, I mean, we know this, but it happened three times in this game. Big Billings, the 340-pound nose for the Bears. I mean, he just out-muscled them on the first run for the Vikings, gain of one. He, he gets blown up by Billings on a gain of for zero. He gets jacked by Dunbar, the rookie from Florida State, gain of one. I mean, that's three runs that were the result of Bradbury just getting hammered. And I love the guy on reach blocks. He is quicker than heck. I love the guy. I love him as much as the 170-pound center I saw at Ford Field the other day. <laughs> 170, when all these high school linemen are between 210 and, you know, 275. Quick, and he's up against big nose tackles. Quick, getting aside, he was unreal. I watched this kid the whole game. Anyway, <laughs> um, so the Vikings, the running backs, Chandler, after a great game, he disappears. Ty Chandler didn't do anything. Yeah. So Addison didn't play well. So the defense, though, they played really good. Man, a couple players I'll just mention. Danielle Hunter. Wow. A flush, a hurry, a sack, a forced fumble, another knockdown. Played the run great at him, away from him. Tossed right the rookie tackle. who's like 330. Darnell right. Tosses him aside in the running game. Smells out a screen for minus two. I mean, he was incredible just as Gary and Preston Smith were for the Packers, if not Bari too. But he was really, really good. The Viking defense played great. Um, they got Barr back, the 10-year veteran who recovered a fumble, 11-year veteran. And in the secondary, their secondary is really good. We talked about the Vikings. This is why they've won a bunch of – they're 500 now. Metellus, that kid from Michigan who I never liked at Michigan, he had a sack. Uh Drilled Mooney after a reception, blew up a bubble screen, forced fumble on the rookie Johnson, the running back, a flush, a sack, forced fumble on fields on a scramble. He breaks down in the open field in textbook fashion. I mean, he's really a good slot, whatever he is, hybrid safety backer. And uh, they didn't have the, um, oh no, Blackman played well as a start as a cornerback. He's a backup. He had to start. He looked good. The Vikings have a good defense. I just don't know without Cousins how far they're going to go. Couple comments. Yeah, a couple comments on the Bears. Let's look quick at them. Um, a much improved team. 
They're on the road at Minnesota, fighting noise. Vikings know this is a crucial game for them, and they win the game. Um, Jenkins, the left guard, the second-year man, he, he's a huge man. He moves well in space, Tyler. Uh, I mean, their weak link is Lucas Patrick, but I still like the guy. We know him. He'll fight till the last uh, the last man is standing. I like him. Um, their offensive line's much improved. They have receivers. Moore is their entire passing game. And uh, they just were throwing bubble screams to him all night. He's got such run after the catch. And then at the end, to win the game, set up the winning field goal, he caught a 36-yard ball. Let's go to uh, Foreman, the hard-running running back. He sits out, but Johnson, the rookie, Roshan Johnson, I liked him. Um, he's a tough kid. I mean, I knew that from the draft behind Bijan Robinson of Texas. A lot of scouts had admiration for this guy. I can see it. Now let's go to Justin Fields. Uh well, he started 12 for 12, Tyler. <laughs> All short stuff, but, I mean, he's keeping the chains moving. The, dri- the drive stalled out. He wasn't doing things down inside the, the Viking 40. But then he made a few plays, uh, and then he, scr- he fumbled twice on scrambles in the fourth quarter. One hit by Metellus, and the other one led to a touchdown. Uh, so... I don't know what they're going to do with Fields, but he won the game and they're four and eight and they're a really dangerous team right now, whether it's Green Bay at Lambeau or whether it's Detroit again, very dangerous team. Yeah. I think big, big picture watching this game, I should say rewatching it because like I told you, we're up at about four thirty AM with these kids. So sometimes the prime time scene isn't, <laughs> isn't the scene here at go long headquarters, but I got around to watching it, and uh, my takeaway, Bob, it's like Justin Fields isn't the future. Like he's he's he has run his course in Chicago, uh, but Matt Eberflus, I think, kind of assumed he was done. But if defense is his thing, I mean, you, I'm thinking like Matt Eberflus here, and then how he is going to present his case to ownership, Ryan Poles, Kevin Warren, whoever he presents it to. That, that's his calling card, right? Back to Indianapolis, and the defense is fighting like hell. They've got five games left. If they win three of those five, I can see him keeping his job. It wouldn't surprise me. That gets you to, what, seven and ten? Yeah, he's calling the defense now, Tyler, after they uh, – who was it? Allen Williams was fired. Okay, so they, they host – they got to buy now, don't they, the Bears? Yeah. Yeah. Then they host Detroit – What's the spread on that? It should be a lot less than Lion fans think it would be. At Detroit? I don't know. Bears can win there. Then they're at Cleveland. They could win there. They host Arizona. It'll be a heavy favorite Arizona warm weather team coming to Soldier Field December 24th. They host Atlanta December 31. Dome team coming in there. And then they're at Green Bay. They can win there. They're not bad, and their defensive personnel with Sweat, a huge acquisition. Dunbar in this game had had three pressures. He's coming on, that big, tall rookie. Um, 
their linebackers, they got three good backers in Sanford, Edmonds, and Edwards. And their secondary, they did not have Tyreek Stevenson, the starting right corner. Terrell Smith held up. Uh, Kyler Gordon is a really tough physical nickel. Jalen Johnson is a Pro Bowl corner. He played so well in this game. Eddie Jackson, I mean, I don't really like him, but he made some good plays. They got a tremendous kicker in Cairo Santos. I don't like their punter, but yeah, they're in last place in the division, but they're not far away from the other three teams. They're really not. Hey, is Deontay Foreman going to be the starter when he's back from injury? Or do you think Roshan Johnson is? Well, they started Khalil Herbert. He's back. But Herbert yeah. only played. He started. I thought he was going to be CMOS, but he only played uh, 15 snaps. Johnson, 52. I don't know if he got re-injured or what. I would think Foreman, though. And in bad weather, he's a nasty man. Well, there you go, everybody. Pick up Deontay Foreman. I'm going to do it right now. Uh, Ed's... Uh, Ed's Ed's Red Rockets doing just fine in fantasy football. Really? Yeah, our, our dog when he was a puppy, he he tended to get a Red Rocket from 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 time to time. So naturally, that became the fantasy football name. Ed's Reds. Do you have a good memory for us? Yep, let's go. So this is going to be right up your alley, Tyler. You wrote the book on tight ends, right? That's and right. That's- That's where we're going to move to tonight. All right, we're going to go back 16 years to November 4th, 2007 at Kansas City. Now, it's Kansas City. It's not at Green Bay like it will be Sunday, but this is a game I remember most from that rivalry. A 61-degree day at Arrowhead. Place is packed, 7-8-9-8-8. Kansas City's favored by two. Packers win this baby, 33-22. The pack comes in six and one, second year under Mike McCarthy. The Chiefs come in four and three under Herm Edwards, his second year also. The Chiefs had won four out of five. Chiefs are favored by two. But when I did the scouting report, oh boy, do I remember doing that every Tuesday. <laughs> one executive said, it's not going to last. I could see the Chiefs being anywhere from six to six and ten to eight and eight. You know what they finished, Tyler? They lost nine in a row to finish four and 12. This was the start of a nine game losing streak. The 22 points they scored against the pack at, uh, at Bob, uh, who's the coordinator for the pack? McCarthy's first three years. Bob Johnson? No. Sanders. Come on. San- Sanders. Yeah. Sorry. The 22 points Bob gave up was the most the Chiefs scored in the last uh, nine games. All right, so in this game, Tyler, I remember sitting in that press box at Arrowhead, and I couldn't keep my eyes off of Tony Gonzalez. I had to keep a play-by-play, and I had to pay attention to Green Bay, obviously, the team I covered. But they had no wide receivers. In this game, Dwayne Bowe, the all-rookie wide receiver, did not catch a ball. Jeff Webb. Was their leading wide receiver, the uh, famous Jeff Webb? Who is he? Two catches for 26. Sammy Parker, two for 22. So the wideouts were four for 48. The QB was 34 year old Damon Heward. Damon. 
making his 22nd pro start. He had beat out Brody Croyle for the job with Herm Edwards' crew. <laughs> All they had was Tony Gonzalez. So I'll talk a little bit, and then you give the listeners a little <laughs> idea about Gonzalez. Ten catches for 109 yards. Tyler, they could not handle him. I mean, he's in his, what, like up 10th, 11th year at this point. He just would go down either from three-point stance or out in the slot or the wing, and they just couldn't handle him. And he caught, now let me just look at my critique the next day. Four of his catches for 60 yards came against Atari Bigby. Remember Atari? Oh, he was a headhunter. I loved Atari. Yeah. He was such an honest guy. He's a great man. A 24-yard over route in which Gonzalez outran Atari, and he had a 17-yard touchdown patch, um, okay, on an out-and-up route. So he he also caught – let me look at this here. Um, well, anyway, Tyler, I can't find that. But the crowd, let's talk about crowd support. Now, Green Bay was starting to rev up, right? They're 6-1, and one, and they're hot. And they went 13-3 and three and made it to the NFC title game before going down to the Giants. Okay, so I talked to Adam Teicher, who had covered the Chiefs since 93. And he said there was nothing close to this many visiting fans at Arrowhead. His colleague, Randy Kovitz, these are all buddies of mine, he covered the Chiefs since 86, and he was certain there had never been a visitor cheering section like this. And Doug Tucker, the AP, who covered the Chiefs for 30 years, he told me, quote, this was an unusual, unusually large number that had never been topped by a visitor from the, M- from the NFC. I estimated 10 to 15% of that 80,000 were Packer fans. Mike McCarthy said, that never happened in my days here. Now, he was the Chiefs QB coach for six years. You saw a few here and there, but our crowd today, you could see them in the stadium. So anyway, at halftime, Tyler, this game was 33-22. At halftime, it was score by quarters, 7-6 Chiefs. And then the scoring started. Huge plays made by Brett Favre. I'm leaping through the Journal Sentinel, Tyler. <laughs> Brett Favre, um, A.J. Hawk on a huge pick. Jennings, Driver, Favre, and Woodson with a, a pick six at the end of the game. And they took care of the Chiefs. And uh, that was it. And when I asked Brady Papinga about Gonzalez, he said, if you've got one guy and that's all you've got, then you're not going to win a lot of games. And that's all they had. And uh, poor Tony had a, uh, they got, in this season, he had 99 catches. That was his second highest all time. 1172 yards, his third highest of all time. He, Hall of Fame, 14 Pro Bowls, six All Pros, team of the decade, all decade team in the 2000s. And uh, you know a lot about him. Kansas City had a bad team under Edwards. They turned it around under Reed and John Dorsey in 2013. Tyler, what do you want to mention about uh, Mr. Tony Gonzalez? You know, I, I hope people don't forget what he did, not just for the position, but the game. You know, sitting down with him and really learning 
about his rise, he is the one that really forced the league to evolve. Like there, there were athletic tight ends before, but nothing like him where he's high pointing a ball, plucking it top a DB's head. Right. We, we all can picture what Tony Gonzalez was able to do, but he was a, you know, he's obviously a basketball player and a football player at Cal. And, and he, he, he he could remember like his first training camp practice and guys just looking at him like with no respect. Vaughn Booker, who had a hot minute with the Packers, he said that Vaughn, like he said, this is pre-Twitter, you know, you're just kind of learning about guys, maybe in a newspaper here or there, TV here or there. So he didn't really recognize Tony Gonzalez, like facial recognition. He just started screaming, where's Gonzalez? Where's Gonzalez? Point him out. Like wanted a piece of him. Where's this soft ass basketball player? <laughs> and, it, and you can imagine what it was like against opponents, like Bill Romanowski. He got into those battles, and those who have read the blood and guts, hopefully they can remember this well. <laughs> he basically just came out and called him a racist, just cheap, just a piece of you know what, cheap shots. I mean, they went at it, and Romanowski took it to him early on. I think that's how one of the chief seasons ended is his first or second year, like in the end zone, uh, Gonzalez couldn't make the play. Well, obviously Gonzalez got the last laugh, just embarrassed Romanowski in one game. They had to pull, pull him off of him in coverage, get somebody else on him. He was unbelievable. I mean, he really forced teams to look for a different kind of athlete at the position. All of a sudden Antonio Gates, who didn't even play college football. He's a basketball player at Kent state. You know, he's getting a workout. He actually was really discovered by Tim Brewster, who just resigned, I believe, as Colorado's tight ends coach under Deion Sanders. Mm-hmm. So he was the one that really had the belief in Gates. And he actually kind of like lied about his 40 time to the personnel department just so they would like take him seriously to get him into training camp. And then even sure. then, even when he was really good at training camp, Marty Schottenheimer wanted to cut him and try to sneak him out of the practice squad and. And they're like, no, no, you can't do it with this guy. He's too good. So then that kind of forces people to think about the player differently. And then Jimmy Graham. I mean, Jimmy Graham plays basketball at Miami. Um, Before he played the one year of football at Miami, this speaks to Bill Belichick and how he was just playing a different game than everybody else. Bill Belichick tried to get him. He tried to sneak him onto the practice squad. He had Matt Patricia put Jimmy Graham through a football workout after his basketball career and before that one year of football and Jimmy Graham, he had the, uh, the belief in himself and the patience to say like, no, I need a year of college football. So he played that year of college football. Belichick's thinking he's, he's going to get Graham in the fourth round the same year. He took Rob Gronkowski, by the way. So he could have had Gronk and Jimmy Graham. Instead he had Gronk mm-hmm. and Aaron Hernandez. We all know wow. how Aaron Hernandez played out. So he, he's thinking he's going to get Graham in the fourth. My memory serves me right. Bill Parcells loved him. Parcells thought that he could get Graham in the fourth with Miami. The Ravens loved him to the point where they're giving him their playbook. Is it Cam Cameron? Was that the offensive coordinator? Mm-hmm. So he put Graham through a workout, and Graham was unbelievable. I think Cam Cameron he, he suffered like an injury, like trying to like half cover him on a route. They loved him. They were going to take him. They gave him the playbook, everything. Well, Sean Payton knew to take him in the third round. And Sean Payton's really close with Bill Parcells, so he kind of knew Parcells liked him. 
I was a little bit more willing to take a chance, maybe like reached a little bit on their board. I don't think he was like the next guy to take, but they, they took him and guess who was the area scout in the Southeast who scouted Jimmy Graham. Take one guess. Jim Monas. Seriously. Yes. Yeah. He told you all this. Yeah. He, he kind of gets into a, a different part of it on what it was like scouting Jimmy Graham. Wow. And you know, they, they, kind of hit it off because you know jim's a big maryland basketball fan so he'd give him shit and they'd go back and forth and okay yeah and, and wow and, uh, it, there's a really cool scene at uh jimmy graham broke this down at senior bowl week like bill parcells's staff was that they were his coaches right at senior bowl in mobile okay. and they almost went out of their way like to make him look bad in drills <laughs> and really? they pulled him out of the game in the red zone and they one coach is like screaming at him that he screwed up when he wasn't even in the drill, like to try to get other scouts and coaches to think he was having a bad week. It's so really? like the courtship of Jimmy Graham really blew my mind, <laughs> but that re- it changed everything, but it started with Tony Gonzalez. It really did. Yeah. So another reason I went with Gonzalez on this because Sunday in Lambeau. Now we don't know if Taylor Swift is going to be on the scene, <laughs> But Travis Kelsey will, and he's going to be in with an offense that has better wide receivers than Herm Edwards did 16 years ago, but not all that much better. Now, we know Kelsey. Who's more of a challenge for the Packers? Gonzalez in t- 2007 or Travis Kelsey in 2023? You know, the easy answer is Kelsey because he has Mahomes. I mean, you're talking Brody Croyle <laughs> and Damon Heward and Tyler Thigpen <laughs> or Patrick Mahomes. You know, Mahomes and Kelsey, they've got this. <laughs> so you go Kelsey, but if we're just talking about the player, the tight end, man, give me Tony Gonzalez. I'm sorry. I take Tony Gonzalez over Travis Kelsey all time. Look, because it wasn't just the fact that he had all those terrible quarterbacks. Like he, he really opened my eyes to, so when he gets into the NFL, Jimmy Ray, longtime coach, you probably have talked to him. Yes. is his coordinator and he knew how to use him. He got creative. He moved him all over the field. He leaves. And then the new staff comes in, right? Dick Vermeil, Al Saunders, greatest show on turf from the St. Louis Rams comes in. And Tony Gonzalez did put up good numbers in this offense. Yeah. But, you know, early on, Trent Green pulled Tony aside and told him, like, I know you put up good numbers in your previous offense, but that's not going to be the case here. We don't feature the tight end. And Dick Vermeil basically said the same thing. Like, you know, he's old school. You're not – he wasn't really featured. I mean, it was an offense that relied on wide receivers more than the tight end. And look at – and Tony said, like, he's like, look at how much receivers were paid. Like – the Eddie Kennison's and Johnny Morton's. And I mean, it's not like Tony Gonzalez was paid way more than these guys and featured way more than these guys. He, he mm. put up good numbers to just sheer force of will. So, you know, his numbers could have been even better that era. He gets to Atlanta. Then he has the terrible quarterbacks at the end, right? Then he gets to Atlanta yeah. and it's like this arranged marriage that was doomed to fail where like Mike Malarkey and Tony Gonzalez could not stand each other. Like hate is a strong word, but I got the sense it was pretty damn close to hatred between those two. Wow. Oh yeah. I mean, the 
Malarkey sat him down and had him watching film of Mark Bruner just shortening necks on film and try to beat into his head like, this is what you have to be. You're a tight end. It's tight for a reason. And Tony's thinking, like, why the hell did you trade for me then? They're keeping him after practice, like beating the hell out of him, like to to block this D lineman buried on the depth chart. And uh, I'm giving a lot away here. I promise there's a lot more in the book if you guys want to read it. But there's a scene in the visitor's locker room, Tampa Bay, Tony Gonzalez is stuck on career catch 999 and Malarkey iced him out and it got almost very violent in the locker room. And we'll just leave the cliffhanger there. So, I mean, my point is like, Tony Gonzalez set all these records. It could have been (laughs) right. Like he forced the league to evolve. Like he forced the Malarkeys of the world to just think about the position and the sport differently. Hmm. So to me, it's Gronk one, it's Gonzalez two, and I'd, I'd almost put Winslow three. You know, this book really forced me to view football in terms of like the eras and like really studying Kellen Winslow within that time, like Tony Gonzalez within that era, Gronk. So Kelsey's been unbelievable. He's a top 10, maybe a top five tight end of all, of all time. But I don't, to me, that's, that's still the pantheon Gronk. Yeah. Gonzalez, Winslow. I mean, shit. I mean, Dick, Dick had founded the thing. Like I get yeah. it. He's not prolific statistically what he meant to the game as a player. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. So yeah, I, I love these McGinn memories. It does hopefully help people kind of view football in a, with a more broader scope because I'll admit it. I mean, I've been, blissfully ignorant to put it kindly you know it's as a young young reporter covering the league i had minimal respect for football like in the 50s and the 60s and even the 70s and you would open my eyes good is the author who i believe wrote the forward for your book michael mccambridge Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. america's game maybe the best football book ever written uh just agreed I, I completely changed my perspective on the sport and, and gained a whole new respect for everything. So, all righty, Bob. Good Christmas ideas. The blood and guts yes. tight end and McCambridge's America's game. Yep. And the ultimate Super Bowl book by Bob McGinn. <laughs> Thank you, Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, once a giant by Gary Myers. We had him on the pod and it's fantastic. So make sure you get that. There's so many great football books out there. There really are. Across the river, Kent Babb. Don't want to forget that one. Excellent book as well. There was only enough time to read all these books. Exactly. Yeah. Any final thoughts, Bob? None. Talked out Tyler. <laughs> Same. I'm hacking along. Thanks so much, everybody. Appreciate it. Thank you. 